What is up, everybody? And welcome to the first episode of Stories for Nerds. I am Raphael M. Jordan, and I am here alongside Abby Goldsmith and Scott Parkin. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Doing fantastically well. Okay, cool, cool, awesome. Now, before we get started, I want to describe what Stories for Nerds is about and what the idea of it uh, came from. Uh, there has been a nice little spot lacking in the podcast. Everyone's kind of been on their one side of the corner. Beers are doing their own thing, and authors are doing their own thing. But um, this is the 21st century. We're going to be able to you know, connect with other authors and other readers of that. So what we're doing is with Swiss Nerds, we're trying to connect with those sci-fi and fantasy readers who love to speak and other areas of storytelling, which includes, you know, uh, video games, movies, comic, anime, you name it. So, uh, just a little background on who these hosts are. Uh, we'll start off with uh, you, Abby. Give us a little more information on yourself. Uh, well, I've had some short stories and articles published in Escape Pod and Fantasy Magazine and a few other anthologies. And I have a epic, gigantic science fiction series that I'm planning to publish within the next few years. So I write quite a lot. I haven't published nearly enough. <laughs> I sit on it for a long time. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. Quality time. Quality time. Yeah. And uh, how about uh, you, Mr. Parker? You, you seem to be the veteran of the team. Ooh, there's something. Um, I've been writing for about 25 years. Uh, I'm an author, an editor, uh, a publisher, an essayist, a critic, um, and a fan. Uh, I, I've been an anime fan for many, many years. I'm a media fan, gaming, the whole shot. I believe in the entirety of uh, SFNF fandom and all of its media products and try to participate in some way in all of them. I'm a recent writer for Future Winner and uh, continuing to uh, work on a couple of novels right now. Sounds good, sounds good. Awesome, awesome. And uh, just a little background as far as I'm concerned, I am uh, a little bit in the middle. Um, I just have a couple novels out, uh, one series, and hopefully I'm going to be uh, branching off into some other uh, stories in the next couple of months after I finish this series up. And pretty much I started off, you know, with just uh, doing a lot of drawing back in the day and everything, not realizing that eight of my artwork and also my stories. So I kind of just put uh, two and two together and uh, you can say the rest is history. Ta-da! Alright, so um, well, we're going to just uh, hit a key uh, subject matter and then we are going to discuss it amongst ourselves and then at the end of the episode we want to make sure that you guys be involved so you can uh, have your two cents because hey, like I said, this is about you know, connecting uh, storytellers with readers and likewise. Uh, so what we're going to do with the first couple of episodes is just going to be general uh, topics, but uh, later on down the road, we're actually going to uh, get to some more finances uh, and stuff. So uh, what we're going to be uh, discussing on the first episode is uh, just uh, science fiction and fantasy and uh, its relevance in today's society. Uh, so what we're going to do is, and I'm going to start with you, uh, with a one basic question. Um, why do you think stories that have a fantastic element uh, still resonate with people today? Well, I 
think that they're a way to look at problems that we have in our own world through the lens of something that's exaggerated and something that's fantastic. Um, you know, usually stories that are fantastical, you can look at, you can just look at a problem that, or, you know, a current day issue and take one side of it and exaggerate it or make it non-existent and kind of play with, you know, what's right and what's wrong and cause a reader to question what they believe. You would say that it's how the fantasy elements are so down to earth, I guess, in a sense? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's possible that I might argue with you on that one, because I think part of what makes, if you look at the fantasy stories from the past that have survived through today, the themes and the, and the ideas are absolutely relevant because they're timeless. The fantastic setting actually is what allows it to, to transcend its own time and place and become relevant to larger audiences over a greater distance. So whether that be scientific speculation which sometimes ages poorly, or whether that be simply fantastic uh, settings, right? It's the stories of Jason and the Argonauts. It's the stories of the vampire. It's the stories of, um, you know, the, the, the creation, the creature made by Dr. Frankenstein. It's these kinds of stories that can last beyond the time of their telling precisely because the themes are general and human and the settings are sufficiently irrelevant that they can then speak to anyone who wants to, to engage them. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you're speaking about elements, so how would you say uh, these elements inspired you? And um, what uh, items do you think stories tell us uh, try to integrate into those stories? Oh, sorry, Abby, we always start with you. <laughs> <laughs> how have uh, these elements inspired you, Abby? What key items do you think storytellers or writers try to integrate, you know, with their stories? Uh, that's a pretty broad question. Um, I mean, I, I think it depends on the writer. Um, you know, like for some writers, horror elements resonate a lot more. The story of the vampire, the story of uh, the mummy or the werewolf or, you know, those are classic tropes or monsters. Um, other people are more into the romance. They want to see... Um, love through the lens of sci-fi or fantasy where you know again some element of it is exaggerated or non-existent it's played with um, you know or Scott is saying timeless there are some tropes that are timeless some people want the comfort of a timeless you know something that that is something they're very familiar with um, but told in a slightly different way some people want really fresh original ideas where it's you know, it's idea stories, which are mostly science fiction, you know, where it's an amazing new premise or some something that just hasn't really been covered very much before. It all depends on the writer. And there's a lot of argument in the, in the field about, you know, what's the difference between science fiction and fantasy? Uh, you know, fantasy looks backwards, science fiction looks forward. I'm not sure that's true so much as fantasy deal, you know, exaggerates... Um, I think both fantasy and science fiction exaggerate elements of the human condition in such a way as to allow us to focus very tightly on that particular thing. So when we talk about, for example, horror fiction, 
right? The werewolf is just the exaggerated man. It's it's unrestrained rage. Yeah. Um, and and the device of the werewolf, you know, now we can do the same thing, right? We could make that an AI, a memory engram programmed into an advanced computer that is no longer limited by the by the the physicality of the body, and becomes a megalomaniac. We do that all the time. So I think what happens is the form. Uh, the fantastic element or the imaginative element allows us to then look deeply at particular aspects of human nature or human condition, exaggerate them to the point of almost the ludicrous, and as such, again, make them safe to contemplate. We don't feel threatened by the question anymore because it's exaggerated enough that we can now look at it with, with fresh eyes and learn something about both ourselves and other people in the process. And you have brought up something interesting about how it's kind of hard to identify the difference or the fine line between sci-fi and fantasy. When you kind of think about like back in the day before, you know, Amazon came out and they started like introducing to all these different subgenres, you went to the bookstore and you want to look for, you know, a science fiction novel or a fantasy novel. They were all in one category. It was just sci-fi fantasy. That was it, you know, and I think that that's pretty interesting that, you know, nowadays people are starting to kind of, they're, they're wanting that more, you know, refined definition, even though it's almost like, it's still almost kind of one and the same. Well, it's, it, to me, it's kind of hard because, right, booksellers want to have a well-defined subcategory so that people who like dragon stories know where to find dragon stories aren't going to be bothered by werewolf stories or by, you know, spaceship stories. So they subdivide for purposes of reaching an audience. And I think sometimes that does us a disservice as a community because it subdivides and separates us when in fact we're all interested in that, right, in that imaginative, expansive, you know, beyond the ordinary environment. Personally, I don't care whether it's fantasy or science fiction. I like it both ways. And yeah, I, I would add that like it seems to me that many of the really breakout bestsellers in sci-fi, fantasy, or, or what have you tend to really be cross-genre. Yes. I mean, you know, they have elements of all. Well, and one of the things that's kind of fun is then you get a smart-alecky uh, author like, say, Gene Wolfe, who went out and wrote a series, The Book of the New Sun, that was science fiction set so far into the future that it had become fantasy again because everything was alien, right? Everything was was new. And so he tells this fantasy-esque story in what amounts to a far future setting, and it's glorious because he absolutely tweaks the noses of every single reader. Uh, And I think that kind of stuff is just fantastic. It's why I love the genres. Yeah, oh, people always have trouble with Anne McCaffrey, right? Because of the Pern books. They're, are they science fiction or fantasy? Nobody can decide. It's just a good story. It's dragon. <laughs> future. I mean, yeah. I, it, there do seem to be a, a few of those, and people get so upset. And then, they, yeah, you always get those big side bouts and everything, and people just totally forget that you come up with this as like, oh, okay, well, that's good enough. Story. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> We're on the same side, guys. We're on the same side. Now, having said that, yeah. at some future time, I'll go ahead and argue the science fiction side as a purist of science fiction. But 
Probably oh, not right now. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Really? Really? Can, can, we, can we delete that? <laughs> We're serious scientists. We don't do any of this made-up terrible oh poo. Oh my god. <laughs> god this, is, this is the first episode. It's probably going to be the last episode. Okay, I'll stop picking fights. My bad. Friends, we're all friends here. <laughs> it's a good thing I like science fiction. I enjoy science fiction. Otherwise, I'd be out of here. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're, we're, we're all good. We're all good. Hey, I, I, I love my dragon and robots just as much as anyone else. Okay. So, so um, as far as uh, the the new age and stuff is concerned, um, there's a whole bunch of different forms of storytelling nowadays. I mean, uh, I like to say traditional storytellers are are some of them, aka you know authors like us. But then there's uh, Tell stories through, of course, television, through uh, movies, comics, video games, even. I mean, uh, you, you got a bit of a, a background in, in other forms of, you know, like, uh, when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. Is there a different process when it comes to uh, telling a story for a different medium? Yeah. I mean, you know, with the other forms, usually require a team. You know, there's like, that's a team effort, especially with video games and film. Um, comic books, you know, there's usually two or three people involved, um, of course. But I mean, yeah, I, I would say like, <laughs> what's that? One more. Yeah, yeah, right. Film is like 400 people. Games, it can be, it can really be up there. Um, you know, and, and a lot of times that some of those forms of storytelling they're constrained by the limitations of certain things um with film 90 minutes or 120 minutes um you know which usually translates to a novella length kind of story um with game it's got to be interactive so you know there's there's been a lot of debates in the game industry about um whether it's good to even have a narrative whether you know sandbox game um should have a story, you know, there's there's a lot of debates about these kind of things. Well, and I think to the... Really? Yeah, there are people that are, like, game purists that are like, it shouldn't have a story. You know, the point of a game is not to have... And then there's, of course, video game writers who are members of the WGA or whatever that are like, yeah, should have a story, and, you know, <laughs> we're lobbyists I, for it. I mean, I wonder if that history would kind of Indicate that yeah, obviously story is necessary in video games. I mean, even oh my gosh, even going back to like the most basics of stories back in the day. I mean, the Super Mario Brothers. I mean, we have a Tetris. Next thing, uh, cold look. <laughs> <laughs> so there is an interesting different, different objective with Tetris and Mario. Different on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, there there are purists who would say that you know it should only be the Tetris type of game. The other type is not really a game at that point. It's an interactive story, and it's not the same thing. You know, yeah. I'm well, just I'm I'm just the messenger. I'm not gonna take sides. And I would argue that what you're seeing in the market a lot nowadays is you're getting a lot more um, layered media, right? Where someone will release a, a book, and they'll do some art. 
and they'll have an audio piece, and they might have a, a board game or a card game or a video game that extends the, the franchise, because each of those allows a different mode of interaction with the story. Now, I think all of those things have narrative. In some cases, it's really simple. Right? Tetris doesn't have much of a narrative. You fit the block into the gap uh, for as long as you can. Um, but, but, you'll die if you fail. But Mario did have a narrative, even if it was a really thin one. There was a narrative goal. You were trying to accomplish a worthy task by getting past the obstacles. Well, that's the very definition of story, right? Character has a problem, tries to overcome it, fails, tries again, and keeps trying until they eventually succeed or run out of quarters, whichever comes first. Or lives. Oh, or wait a minute. I'm sorry, kids. They don't know about that anymore. Don't know about quarters either, yeah. Um, or game leaders. Yeah, that's, that's so... Okay, well, you know, we just showed our age. Never mind. <laughs> He's your boy here. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so, so with these uh, various forms of, uh, of uh, storytelling now and characters, um, we still have, uh, regardless of this, there's still a healthy dosage of readers. Uh, all you have to do is just look at Amazon and look at how that came about originally. It was originally just a, a, a bookstore. And now they've just kind of opened up the floodgates, you know, to let other authors in because there's still such a demand, you know, for readers to, you know, to buy new stories and stuff. Uh, but um, do you think there's eventually going to be a time where, uh, where we'll kind of go the way of the dinosaurs and things or, or um, certainly not in my lifetime, and I hope not ever. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to define your terms. We're a little biased, but yeah. <laughs> I think you have to define your terms, because there's a writer behind everything. A TV episode is written. A movie is written. The, the, the plot map for a video game, even if it's a, a pure adventure game, is written out. So there's an imaginative mind who structures and presents those ideas. Now, whether they do it through right, direct neural induction and secondary experience, whether they do it through symbols on a written page, whether they do it through pictures or animation or sound or movement, doesn't matter. The storyteller is always necessary and will always be necessary. Yeah, but I think he, he does have a point, Raphael does have a point about the written word in particular. Written word, um, yeah. That format, um, I, I I think that it is a different. I think it is a different. Stop it! <laughs> this is why we shouldn't have video. Anyhow, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know you're gonna have to edit all this out. I'm glad it's not me. Yeah. Anyway, stop. Bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, go ahead, Scott. I don't remember what I was gonna say. No, it's Scott. Okay. Um, <laughs> you were I'm trying to I'm going to catch the thread on that and get you back onto it because I think it was going to be interesting um, I had talked about, about how, oh you had specifically the written word yes whether it's the written word that's going to go away but you thought Raphael made a good point and that's what you had started with was the idea of the written word and whether that's actually going to go away yeah right I mean I think that the format of the written word like the prose the novel the prose um you know, there are people that really respond very well to that. And there are some people that really don't. I mean, it's, I'm always amazed when I meet someone who I'm like, well, you're very intelligent. I like 
your ideas. I like what you have to say, but you don't like to read. That is so strange. You just don't like reading. I do meet people like that, and it always kind of blows me away because I love reading so much. I grew up reading, and you know, a lot of my peers, a lot of my friends are readers because of the writer industry. Sure. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, there are, it's it's weird. There's definitely people whose brains just work differently and they much prefer the visual medium. Um, they much prefer the interactive medium or, or what, what have you. But I think that there will always be people that prefer imagination, the prose, like, you know, painting pictures with words. There's going to be people like, like us that will prefer that. And I could not agree with you more. Um, it's interesting because, right, allegedly video killed the radio star, except that it didn't. And I don't think that new forms of, of media or entertainment will necessarily kill the written word. Yes, it might change form. It might be like ebooks rather than printed books. But the words themselves, I think to Abby's point, are different people find power in different presentation methods, right? Different cognitive streams affect people differently. And I will often, I'm, I'm really bad this way, I'll watch a movie and then read the book to see what was missing. Um, so to me, the movie, to me, the movie is an advertisement and a loss leader for the book. Um, oh, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm anyway. the same way. Right? Because we're definitely word people here. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> so will it change? Of course it will change. Will the written word go away? I don't think it will, at least not for a very long time. Well, thanks a lot for your discussion and everyone, and we are going to close that segment out. And and, and Scott, no more harassing Abby. I, I will cease to do visual um, <laughs> visual heckling. <laughs> Are we done? We need to take a show on the road and do this live. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> no, maybe what we should do is like when we start getting subscribers, we can like, you know, show them the unedited versions of these episodes. Just to <laughs> see how chaotic of individuals their hosts are. It's like, no, you, you guys really don't want to talk to us. We're frauds. <laughs> oh, I don't know about you, but I think we are the wisest panel ever assembled. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, you're, 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 you're. yeah. Save the watches. It's getting deep in here. If that's the case, then the theme is nice, surely. <laughs> All right. Okay. So what I'm going to do is, um, uh, we're going to close with a question of the week pertaining to discussion that we had. Now, because I mean, I do have a, a question in mind. Yeah. What's your question? Well, it depends. Is it a lousy question? I can go with that. Well, okay. This was, I mean, since this was, since this was a, a, a general discussion on science fiction and fantasy between the Siberia and just some general questions for the readers or the listeners, uh, I wanted uh, to ask why they love sci-fi and fantasy so much. Why, wait, wait, why we love it so much? No, it's not readers. Oh, this okay. Why visitors okay. and subscribers? Yeah, this is the open question that will go on the website that people can come and join the community and, and, and stuff. All right, so that was our discussion for the first episode, but like I said, we wanted to get you guys involved, so 
what we're going to do is we're going to ask you a question. So um, why don't you guys tell me why you love uh, sci-fi and fantasy so much? And, and just for no sense, I mean, uh, those who could be responsible for giving a little shout out in the next episode, they'll, they'll uh, uh, pick out our favorite answers and stuff. We'll show you a little love about that. Cool. All right, so that was our first episode for uh, Stories for Nerds. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Uh, once again, I am Rafael Jordan. This is Annie Goldsmith and Scott Parkinson uh, signing off. And together, we're the Care Bears. <laughs> and together, we're Wild Stallions. Oh, here's a pop reference. Ouch. Hold on to that again. Stop. <laughs>